following is a continuation in our series looking at the effects of sin on areas of our lives and how Jesus seeks to speak into them. We hope you enjoy. All right. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I want you to be there because that's going to be our first passage for tonight. We are going to talk about subject matter that I think influences just about all of you, which is social media. Social media, something that impacts us in a lot of different ways, some of which is good, some of which is bad. And I want to start tonight by, I know I'm going to be pretty critical and pretty antagonistic towards social media tonight, but I do want you to know that I use social media. I have social media accounts. I try to use them in wise ways. I try to not be on them as much as possible. As much as I'm going to say against social media tonight, I really want us to wrap our heads around why and how we use social media, because that's the most important thing. And if you're here and you don't use social media, that's totally cool. But there are themes that come with things like social media, like attention and community that we all have issues with. So we can all learn from something from this tonight. So let me pray for us. We're going to get started. Holy Father, we thank you so much for this evening. We thank you for this time. I do pray that you would be with us. Help us to wrestle with this topic and how we use it and how we shouldn't use it in ways that can be glorifying to you and ways that aren't glorifying to you. And I just pray that you would help us to understand why we are so fascinated and in some ways addicted to this thing called social media. So do pray that you'd be with us and watch over us. Praise in Christ's name. Amen. So I want you to think about the people that are most influential in your life. Think about the people that are most influential in your life. Some experts think that students your age are actually spending more time consuming YouTube content than they do with their friends. I see laughter, which means you probably fall into this category. And I love YouTube. I love watching goofy YouTube videos. And that's okay. Now, with this has come this growing influence of things like social media influencers. We tend to throw ourselves into the lives of people that we don't know and don't know us. And we're so easily influenced by these people. Uh, for instance, y'all know who this is? Okay. So most of you know who this is. I had heard of this guy. I've never watched any of his videos because I think they're kind of dumb. But Mr. Beast, he makes videos that put forth these challenges that people do. And he just throws forth exuberant amounts of money at people to do these things. He gets a lot of sponsors to help him do this. But he just will literally like tell people, you need to stand in the circle and if you, the last person in the circle gets a million dollars or whatever it is, right? Uh, and then they go days and days and days. They're just going crazy. So people just start leaving the circle because they're just mentally, they can't handle it. These videos are fun. They're entertaining, right? And he does a lot of charitable things, which aren't bad. But there's one video that captivated me this week. And I read an article about it. I didn't watch the video, but I read an article about it. But it's the one where he wanted to cure a thousand people's blindness. Have you heard about this? So the video is called A Thousand Blind People See for the First Time. And it came out on January 28th of this year. It's received over 135 million views worldwide. In this video, Mr. Beast documents how he paid for a thousand people who are legally blind to have cataract surgery so that they could truly see. This in itself is actually kind of awesome. It's good. I mean, that's a very noble thing to do, and it's good. Like, people got to see, and you get to see people's eyes literally get opened for the first time. And his videos like this actually aren't uncommon. He does a lot of this philanthropy-type stuff, And I'm in no way trying to defame him because I don't know him. I don't know his character. But there was one comment that stood out in one of his videos that gave me an insight into his world. And again, this is an influencer who has millions of followers. And this is what he's really teaching people. Okay, 
In one of his videos called Giving My Mom $100,000, this was an interaction between he and his mother. His mom didn't want to receive this money, but he says to her, if I don't give it to you, I don't have a viral video. So his own mother says, so you're just using me for views. And you know what his answer was? Yes. To his own mother, yes. But you get money too, so we're both happy. Let that sink in just a little bit. Okay, Someone who influences so many people, these are the kinds of people that we learn things like generosity from. These are the type of people that we're learning things like truth from. These are the type of people who are teaching us about what beauty is and what we should think is good. We too often so blindly throw ourselves at following fame and people who are famous. And we may not realize it, but we actually are influenced by them. His picture of generosity is what? You can say it out loud. Selfish. Again, I don't know the guy. I'm sure he's nice to hang out with. But his picture of generosity is, I'm going to give this to you so that I can get something in return. Like even to his own mother, right? That's just sad. And the reason we do all of this, we so blindly receive this kind of influence and we fully engage ourselves in it, is because you and I have a problem of a broken view of community and belonging. A broken view of community and belonging. We were created for it, but the fall has really distorted what it means to be accepted, what it means to be known, and what it means to live in community with others. So tonight, if you're taking notes, here's our main point. Social media itself is not a bad thing, but it will never fulfill its promises. Social media is not a bad thing, but it will never fulfill its promises. So how has the fall deformed social media for us? And I know the Bible doesn't have the word social media in it, but it does speak to things like belonging and community. So I want to start with Genesis 2 and the first part of verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Right here at creation, we see that man was alone. So God created someone for him to be with. He created someone to fill that void of loneliness that Adam felt. And this was a good thing. And what God did here was he's instituting something from the get-go. Community. Right? Something so important and longed for. Something that we all want. Something that we all desire. And honestly, something that we all need. Even introverts still long for community. Now, they may long for it in ways where there's not a thousand people around them at one time. But even introverts long for community. Because this is what we were made for. Okay? And this was a good and wonderful thing for Adam when Eve was created. Because it gave someone, as a means of support, connection, shared interests, someone to talk to. We're made for this. But the problem, Caroline's going to come up and read Genesis 3, 8 to 10. The sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and hid myself. It all happens. Community, connection to others gets overtaken by things like shame and insecurity. And Adam and Eve, they hid themselves behind these fig leaves. And they were ashamed, right? They were ashamed of what they did. They heard God walking in the garden. And they sought to cover up what they didn't like about themselves. This exposure, this nakedness that they discovered. And in a way, they're desperately trying to make sure the parts of themselves that they don't want others to see are actually covered up in such a way that they're trying to present themselves as what they want people to see. These fig coverings, these fig leaves are meant to distract from what they were experiencing. So they're putting forth a different version of themselves. And I know not every person uses social media 
as a means to mask who you really are, that's generally how we use it. We only post the things that we want people to see about ourselves. Think about the pictures of food that people post on social media, right? Who posts a picture of, like, stale old Dale fries? Noah, in the back. Deja. Okay, two people. No, we tend to post, like, the really extravagant, like, beautiful, good, delicious-looking meals because ultimately, what are we asking? We're saying, don't you like what I'm eating right now? Don't you want some of it, too? Or the pictures of the vacations that we take, okay? Yes, we could just naturally like beauty and we want to share that with people, but ultimately, usually what happens is we post that picture because what we're saying is, you see where I am right now? Don't you wish you were here? Or those pictures, I absolutely hate this, and if you do this, I'm asking you to stop. The self-centered selfie in front of the mirror. Please stop doing that. Because what it communicates is, don't you like how good I look? Don't you wish you looked this good? Writer Chris Martin, I want to recommend two books to you. This one right here is called The Wolf in Their Pockets. It just came out. Okay, Both of these books are written by a guy named Chris Martin, and he writes on technology and culture. Both of these books are worth your read. It's going to be worth your time. And he says this, attention is the currency of the Internet. Think about that. Attention is the currency of the Internet. In the end, we put forth the best version of ourselves because we long for community, but we desire it in such a way that we don't want to risk exposure and vulnerability with people seeing the real us. We desire that community. We want to put ourselves out there, but we don't want people to see the faults in us. We only want people to see the ideal versions of ourselves, which is funny because there's not an ideal version of ourselves. Even on our best days and our best pictures, we're always going to find some kind of fault. We settle for people not knowing the real us because it's safer. We settle for people not knowing the real us because it's safer. Martin continues. He says, we've been conditioned to believe by the systems that undergird the social Internet that one of the primary ways someone can tell us they care about us is interacting with the online versions of ourselves. Have you ever felt the weight of that? Like when somebody didn't notice something you posted and it just wrecked you, made you feel like nobody cares about me. Nobody appreciates what I've put up. Nobody thinks that I'm cool or, or whatever it is. Fear of people not knowing you, we need to be mindful of that. There was a study done in the UK, and I'm going to put up some charts. No charts aren't exciting, but I hope you find this chart very interesting. This was a study done in the UK in 2019. This study was done with 19,000 children between the years 2000 and 2019. And what they have found, and this should not be shocking to us at all, but they have found that the higher rate of input that people take in from social media, the more depressive symptoms they show in their lives, especially amongst girls. I mean, look, it just goes straight up. Boys, I mean, we're still struggling. The point of me showing you this is this should not surprise us at all. And here's something else that's very interesting, and I want you to see this. So these are some of the confounding factors that they have attributed to the depressive symptoms. And all of these are only heightened by our use of social media. So people who spend a lot of time on social media tend to do what at night? Get poor sleep because they're scrolling on a phone for hours. And then 3 o'clock in the morning scrolls around, and you're like, oh, wait, I should probably go to bed. Online harassment. People who are being bullied online tend to find themselves being online more because they want to know what other people are saying about them. Poor self-esteem. If you have poor self-esteem, you're always going to be comparing yourselves to others. Saying, I wish I looked as good as them. I wish I had their life. Same thing with body image. And all of that, all of that, combined with social media, leads us towards hating ourselves and not appreciating the beauty of what God has made us to be. We've talked a lot about the image of God this semester. We're going to keep talking about that. In fact, we're going to reference that in just a little bit. But all of this should not surprise us. Okay? 
And again, let me say, social media is not bad. A bad view of social media is bad, which is why we need Jesus to dictate the terms of service for us to use when we engage with social media. We need to allow him to reshape the way that we consume social media. So how does Jesus reform social media for us? Luke's going to come up and read Matthew 6, 22 to 23. All right, let's read Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 to 23. It says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So Jesus is always asking us to reassess our priorities. And so... When we come to faith in Jesus, he's always calling us to look at our lives, to take inventory, to look at the things that aren't helpful for us, and ask questions. Questions like, how do I spend my time? How do I spend my money? Who am I? How do I treat myself? How do I treat others? What is good and true? And the great thing about the gospel is that Jesus answers every single question that comes up with great authority. And if we're being honest, we have a problem with authority. Ultimately, that's what came from the fall. We looked at authority. We said, I want to do what I want to do. We pushed away from God, and that's led to a life of just trying to be self-autonomous, making decisions on our own. And culturally, we have moved away from traditional authorities like the church and the Bible and even parents towards other things like influencers, towards other things like the Internet, and ultimately ourselves. And the more we've moved away from that, what we're doing is we're replacing authority in our lives with people who don't know us and with people who we don't know. And as we saw earlier, with people who, frankly, just want to take advantage of us. And that should make us feel very unsettled in some ways. That we put so much stock into who these online personalities are. We want to be like them. We listen to them. We gain insight about world issues from them and how we should feel about those world issues from them. And they don't know us. They couldn't tell you or me from anybody else on the planet. And they're just using us to get more sponsors, to get more views. Now, when Jesus says here, the eyes are the lamp of the body, I think this actually teaches us a lot about how we use social media. What we consume is very important. I know we don't think that it is, but like what we consume into our bodies is incredibly, incredibly important. If we think that we can just unbridled and without any kind of care just consume social media and it doesn't influence us, then that's dangerous territory. We need to be incredibly mindful of that. So the call here is to have a healthy relationship with social media, to recognize that there are pitfalls. There are good and wonderful things. Please don't hear me say otherwise. There are good and helpful things about social media. But if we don't recognize the dangers and the pitfalls, then we're going to be just filling our minds and our eyes and our bodies with just flat-out garbage. This is why Paul writes in Philippians 4, 8-12, to whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And this is why Jesus tells us in 21 and 22 of this verse, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. But where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So again, this uncritical, unbridled use of social media, it's just like leaving the gate to your castle open and unguarded, and just letting anybody come in and take over. We leave our hearts unguarded, we leave ourselves without truth in our hearts, to defend from things that are evil and awful and bad. And we're just taking it all in because we don't care. Now, I'm going to share a very tragic story with you right now. And I want you to, to really pay attention to this. This is such a travesty. There was a young boy last year who 
received a direct message on his Instagram account from what he thought was a girl that liked him. And they ended up going back and forth for quite a while. And through this encounter, it became sexual. And they took off their clothes and were on video chat with one another. And at the end of this interaction, and I don't know how they did this because there's some sort of technology that that scammers are using to do these types of things. It wasn't a girl who was on the other end. There's somebody on the other side of the world, and they recorded what happened on his screen. And they were threatening to send it to every single person on his friends list. They're blackmailing him. It's something called sextortion. What happened that night? He was so ashamed, so fearful, that he walked into his parents' room, grabbed the gun out of his dad's gun safe, and shot himself in the bathroom. He was so afraid of what happened that night. He couldn't share it with anybody. And he was so ashamed by his mistakes that he killed himself. And that's a tragic thing. Okay, my hope and prayer and listening to an interview with his father, it sounds like he loved Jesus and we hope and pray that he's in heaven. And that's my hope and prayer. But this is such a tragic story because it shows us the weight that social media can have over us. It's a dangerous thing if, if we're not careful. Now I don't tell you that because I want you to be scared of everything on social media. But this is why we have to be aware of what we put into our hearts and minds. We can get so easily trapped into sinful things, the things that aren't helpful for us. Now, another story about another young boy. This actually happened in January of this year. Same thing happened to him. He had this interaction. They blackmailed him for $1,000, or else we're going to send this to all your friends. But he actually goes and engages with his parents in community and talks about it and has to deal with the repercussions of it, because there were the shame of it, walking into school, and everybody on his friend list saw himself naked on the screen. Like, that's embarrassing, right? But he chose to pursue community. He chose to pursue something that would actually be helpful for him and good for him. These two stories I share with you tonight are so important because how we approach social media actually shapes the way we respond to it. How we approach social media actually shapes the way we respond to it. Martin, in his book, The Wolf in Their Pockets, says, first, some of us may be guilty of uncritically embracing various aspects of social media. We give up treasure troves of personal data without batting an eye. We overshare intimate details about our lives and make friends cringe and maybe even hurt our gospel witness. We don't think about what mindlessly scrolling every night before bed is doing to our hearts and minds. We get radicalized by YouTube videos or find ourselves down rabbit holes of lust and sexual sin because we never stop to see how we are being transformed. Social media asks very little of us, so we ask very few questions of social media and its effects on us. We are wrong if we embrace social media with such uncritical fervor. Likewise, we are wrong to passively ignore social media and the Internet. If we write off social media as a fad or something lighthearted, popular culture that teens are addicted to, we will grossly underestimate the effect of social media in the lives of the people we love. So his whole premise, and I want to just share this with you, there's a spectrum of how we can view social media. So we're going to work our way, starting here, we'll talk about this, and then we'll end where I think we need to approach social media. So a few practical things for us. So uncritical embrace. This essentially means like we just we just soak it all in. We just take it all in. We don't care what we're signing up for. We don't care what we post. We don't care what we're reading or what we're looking at. We're just all in because we want to know what's going on in everyone's world, and we want everyone else to know what's going on in our world. We're all in, okay? And that is unhelpful because that in itself is a danger because we often hurt people by the things that we post. We often hurt others by the things that we say. Um, a good practice for us, and I was very convicted by this of this week and I actually stopped myself 
from doing this, even today, is I think it would be a very good practice for us all to actually read the terms of service for the things that we sign up for. I think you'd be shocking if you actually went and read some of the stuff that you're agreeing to when you sign up for certain things with social media. And I am not super opinionated, but I'm going to be very opinionated with you right now. I told you at the beginning of the semester, I'm going to tell you things that you don't like, and I don't care because I'm going to be faster than I love you. Okay? Who here is a TikToker? Who loves watching TikTok videos? Let me get my opinion out of the way, and then we can move on. Okay? Did you know that when you agree to the terms of service for TikTok, you are giving them access to every website you go to and your keyboard input for those websites? Which means what? You're giving them your passwords. You're giving them your credit card information. You're giving them everything. You know what the funny part is? You agreed to it. Okay? We need to not uncritically embrace social media. We need to know what we're getting ourselves into. So I would encourage you to read the terms of service. Okay? If you all engage with this, I want to engage with it with you because I am just as guilty of this as anybody. Uncritically embracing social media puts us at all sorts of risks and we need to be careful. Now, we can also be the crotchety folks that say, well, social media is just evil and we need to stay off of it and never interact with it either. That's not a helpful approach either. Why? Because we live in an age where there's lots of social media. We live in a very technological age. We have to interact with these things. And we have to know how to interact with these things. This means we set limits, parameters on why we even use it, right? We take breaks from it. I have uninstalled certain apps on my phone, and it has dramatically changed my sleep schedule. I looked at my screen time today, and I was actually very pleased because I found myself no longer just mindlessly scrolling and watching stupid videos. That's a temptation for me, too. And I've got to put this into practice as well. What Chris Martin really pushes for in both of these books is something called intentional engagement. And I think this would be a very good practice for you and me when it comes to these types of things. What he means by this is thinking critically and thoughtfully about our relationship with social media. Why we use it, how we use it, what is our desire out of using it, and how do we use it for good. And this is a really hard thing to do. But a healthy approach to social media allows God, our true authority, to dictate what we post, what we take in, what we watch, what we see. As we've read so many times this semester in Genesis 1.26, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. If that is our mindset, if we remember who we are made in God's image, that's going to change the way that we view others on the internet. That's going to change the way that we view ourselves. Social media itself is not a bad thing, but it's never going to fulfill its promises to you. It's always going to promise you community, and it's always going to fall short. It's never going to give you that in the ways that your loving Savior does. And that's really what I want you to wrestle with tonight. Jesus gives you worth in his image. He gives you community and face-to-face interaction in his scriptures. This is why John, I love this, 2 John 2.12, he says, Though I have much to write to you, I would much rather not use paper and ink. Instead, and this is before social media, right? He says, I hope to come to you and talk to you face to face that our joy may be complete. He's looking at that and saying, like, I can write you a letter sitting across from you from a table and enjoying a meal together so much better. That's the kind of community that we actually have with each other and with other believers and with our friends. Our status is one of being redeemed. And Jesus wants us to live in that redemption. He wants us to long for good forms of community. Again, use social media for good. Let us live in a realm where we use social media rather than letting it use us. And that's really what I want you to wrestle with tonight. So let's pray. We'll get a small group. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this time that we can wrestle with these important topics, Lord. We pray that as we think about the ways that we engage with others online and ways that we deal with us and ourselves and images and 
content and all these things, Lord, help us to think about them in gospel-shaped ways that we may glorify you with all of them. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to sing the doc call. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM.